Would you read along with me as I read from uh, the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at uh, Community Church of Greenwood, and I am so glad that each and every one of you is here today. Here at Community Church, we are a community who sees and shares the hope of Jesus together. And one one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we share that hope is through our impact partners. This is where we take, we, we take our financial resources and we use a portion of that to spread the gospel, to encourage people uh, around the globe. And we're blessed this morning, uh, kind of spur of the moment, to have one of our impact partners, David Joseph, with us. And uh, just let's give David a really welcome. Some of you know David and are thrilled to see him. Um, David comes from just a few miles away. So we're, we're, tell us what you do. I'm a missionary. I, this is my home church. I'm still a member here. And, Amen. And uh, left here 32 years ago. And uh, I'm a pastor of the Fairbanks uh, Friendship Baptist Mission. And we're on our second native church start. Uh, the first one we released to the native people. And now we're on our second one. And that's what we're doing. Awesome. 
Well, you got a Bible open there. Are you, are you, got, you got a word for us real quick? Well, this verse uh, is our calling. Okay. Um, my wife and I still have a home on Standish Avenue over there. And we were on staff here at CCG, and we just felt that God had called us to do something else, and we would pray and turn our chairs out towards our backyard and look into our backyard. And this verse captured us one day, and it has never let us go. It says in uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. Hmm. So I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. And as the more we would pray that God would send leadership to Alaska because we had been there summer missionaries of 81 and 82, we knew that there was a tremendous need. And so we would just pray that God would send someone to stand in that Alaska gap. And as we prayed, we discovered that it was us. Awesome. So 32 years ago, we answered that call, left this church, and we're still following that call. We hate the darkness. <laughs> I left six inches of snow. We hate the snow. And you came to summer in Indiana right here. It's beautiful. But we love the people. Yeah. And our calling is steadfast. Yeah. So how can we pray for you, David? Uh, I guess we just pray for my wife. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, got really bad knees and bad shoulders, and she's just so scared of surgery, she won't get it done. Okay. So just pray that God will motivate her. and Pray for our new family of just many people are being saved and changed and coming out of meth addiction. Mm. Uh, Jesus is just transforming their life, and just pray for those new believers. Mm. Well, let's pray. We're going to take a moment now, and we're going to give back to the Lord. Know that uh, you can give online, you can give through old school uh, offering envelopes at the boxes on your way out, but know that when we get the opportunity to be a part of sharing the hope of Jesus, even in the darkness of Alaska. So what, a, what an awesome privilege that is, uh, and we're going to pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that we can sing of your goodness that goes on and on and on, and we can never exhaust it. We thank you for the promises of your word. We thank you that you have called us to share the hope of Jesus. And we thank you for our brother David. We pray that you would bless him. We pray that you would watch over Marcy, that you would uh, give her health, that you would help her to take uh, the next right step where there is fear, you would remove that with yes, uh, your promises. Yes, so again, we thank you for our brother. We thank you for all of our impact partners. We thank you for Matt Casey doing good work with our college students. Uh, we thank you for uh, just opportunities you've given us recently, even to work, um, work in our local schools, to work at Northeast Elementary and, and yes, bless our teachers yes, and staff there. And Father, we're so thankful that you have called us to be together to see and share the hope that we find in you. So we ask now that you would take our gifts, take our resources, that you would use them, you would multiply them to build your kingdom, and may it all bring glory and honor to you. Yes. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give David a word of encouragement. <clears throat> hey.
Hey, it's really good to be together. Let me just say that. Amen. Amen. I, I just look out and I see, I got an old high school buddy that's here today. and I'm, he's, That's great. And we're like, only because of Jesus is he here. And he would say, only because of Jesus am I here. So it is good to be together. It's good to have uh, just our impact partners in town. It's, it's, it's good to think about what God has for us. I want to give you a couple a uh, couple opportunities coming up uh, this week that are really important before we dive into a new series and, and dive into God's Word. First of all, uh, this Wednesday, uh, Brad Barmore, Pastor Brad, our executive pastor, and I, we are teaming up to teach spiritual disciplines. That sounds like a daunting thing. But it's simply this. How do we create the right rhythms in our life so we can allow God to work in us and through us. So many of us are so busy, we're so tired, we're, we're running at a pace that's just not sustainable. How do we get some discipline? How do we get some boundaries in our life with some spiritual practices that help us really draw near to Jesus? So that's a great opportunity for all of us. All right, and one of the things, uh, this isn't just a delivery of content. This is part of Brad and me sharing. This is our life. This is, these are some practices that we go through. And while there are common spiritual disciplines, there are personal expressions of that that uh, we hope can be helpful. So just encourage you to sign up for that this Wednesday. And then, uh, oh my goodness, I'm just overflowing with excitement of all that's going on uh, here uh, today. We've got our family meeting, five o'clock today. Who's invited to our family meeting? Everybody. Everybody. Met a new couple this morning, and I'm like, hey, you want to figure out more about who we are, the type of church that God is calling us to be, and the specific bridges into our community that we believe God is calling us to share, the bridges that he is calling us to build together. I want you to come back 5 o'clock today. We're going to have some time to get some updates about how God's working in our church and, and just current reality and what God has for us in 2023. We'll have an opportunity to hear back from you and an opportunity to pray together. So don't miss that. Come back. I don't care how nice it is outside. I don't care what game's on TV. Come back here at five o'clock. It'll be an hour. We'll get you out of here by six, but this is a great opportunity to come together as a church family. So I hope you'll take advantage of uh, both of those opportunities. Well, we're in a new series, and we're going to start it today, and uh, Andrea has already read that passage, and I'm just going to tell you this right at the start. I want everybody reading through John chapter 14 through 16. I want you reading it every day this week. John 14 through 16. Read it. Get it in here. Get it in here. So it'll exude out of you. Jesus gives us this wonderful bundle of promises. We spent the last six weeks on the parables. My intent in the parables, and and God did it through me, was to convict me of things I need to change. That's what parables do. They make us do the work so that Jesus can work in us and through us. God did some work in me, showed me some things. Now we're going to come back to the promises of Jesus. 
Jesus, you know, we've got this title that says, I give you my word. We're going to hear the words of Jesus in this farewell discourse that are some of the most encouraging words of the Bible. And I want these promises, I'm going to introduce it today, but I want these promises to be deeply embedded within you. That's my goal. It's that simple. There is a life that God has for us that is so wonderful, that is so beautiful, and I want you to have that. I want you to actually experience that. And the words of Jesus, and as we talk about them and as we internalize them, can help us in that. So here we go. Let's dive in. But let me ask you a question first. Whose words do you trust? Whose words do you trust? And how do you know that you can trust them? When you go to your mechanic, do you trust your mechanic? When you go to the doctor, do you trust your doctor? When you watch the Colts, do you trust the coach? (laughs) When you hear politicians, oh my goodness, do you trust politicians? Kids, do you trust your parents? Parents, do you trust your kids? We may have some work to do. I believe we are in a trust crisis in our culture right now. We are in a trust crisis. The irony of it is we have access to more information than we've ever had. And I tend to agree with Jen Wilkin, a Bible teacher who made this observation. She said, uh, we have this illusion of omniscience that has created a burden that we're not meant to carry. In other words, we have access to everything. There's not a topic you can't research and get all kinds of information, which can create an illusion of omniscience and even an illusion of expertise. We have a society where you can get online and you can, you can find everything out about everything. And if you watch the Colts and you've never been to a practice, you've never seen any film on them at all, we're led to question the coach because we think we know more than the one in charge. It's just the, it's the water we swim in right now. So where did Jesus' promises sit in the midst of all this? Well, Jesus' disciples had their own trust crisis. And that's the context that leads us in to the series. Let me take you right there, John 14, 1. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now let me give you a little context here. Previous chapter, we've seen all these just (sighs) memorable events, memorable words from Jesus. At the Last Supper, he's washed his disciples' feet. He's foretold of the betrayal of. By Judas, Judas has left, 
He's also told his disciples they will only be with him a little while longer. And where he is going, they cannot come. Oh, and by the way, Peter, the leader, you're going to deny. I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples for a moment. I want you to let that weight sit on you. Jesus is going to go to the cross. Everything seems to be in disarray. And Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's a wonderful phrase. Let me break it down for just a moment. Do not let your hearts, because Jesus, first of all, he's going to identify the problem. The problem. He's going to say, look, at the heart level, at the core of who you are, what is your heart? It's not just the thing that beats, beats, beats. It's not just your emotions and feelings. It's, it's, the, it's the core of who you are. It is the CEO of yourself. Do not let your hearts be troubled, stirred up, agitated because of all the circumstances around you. You may have circumstances that are troubling. Many of you today, as you walk into this place, there are, my heart is troubled because of the circumstances that I am experiencing. That may be you today. So Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be stirred up. Don't be tossed around. Jesus sees the problems in our lives. Not only does he see them, but he's gone through what we've gone through. That's a profound truth that as I look out and I see the challenges that we face, because I know the truth of who Jesus is, I can truly be encouraged. Hebrews 4.15, the writer says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus sees the mess that we're in, he understands the mess, and he pursues us in our mess. Whatever mess you're in today, do you truly believe that Jesus is pursuing you and will meet you right where you are. I hope that you do. I hope that you do. Some of us, we have a hard time with that. I love the way uh, Matt Tebby in a, a new book called Having the Mind of Christ, I love the way he says this. He says, I lived as though God loved and idealized me. A future me a less wretched and more faithful me, but not the actual me. God doesn't love me because I'm good. God loves me because God is good. Can I get an amen on that? God loves the busted and blessed, broken and beautiful me. As we dive into these promises that God has for us, we need to believe fundamentally that God is 
able to meet us in whatever mess that we're in. And the staggering truth is I don't have to clean myself up. I don't have to put on a pretense before God can come and meet me in my mess. So Jesus can see the problem. Now he's going to give us a promise, and then we're going to hear the disciples push back. We live in a time of feedback and pushback. It just seems to be what we're in, and that's not a new thing. The disciples are going to push back against Jesus, and they're going to question him a little bit. Let me take you there. Here's the promise in verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. What is this promise and how do we understand it? This is a passage that we often hear in a particular context. We often hear this as funerals because it's a wonderful promise of what is to come. The idea that God is going to prepare a place for us, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And I don't want to deny that reality, but I want to challenge us a little bit because I believe the promise is even more direct and greater than what we sometimes do. I was thinking back to um, kids' camp way back in the day. We used to go away and bring our kids, and we would... There's nothing like kid worship. You got a bunch of kids in a in a sweaty little chapel and you're singing and you're jumping up and down and you're worshiping. And one of the songs we used to sing uh, was a song called Big House. I won't sing it. It's, it's really bad if I sing it. But it's a, it's a big, big house, right, with a big, big table, lots of lots of food, and a big, big yard where we can play football. We'd, some of you if, you, if you grew up in, a, in church culture, this is like a youth group staple, and you have warm, fuzzy memories of that song. I do too. I do too. It's great. And I don't want to knock the song. Sometimes we can, we can be like uber critical of songs and say, well, it doesn't say everything that the scripture says, so I'm going to rip it, okay? I don't want to be that guy. But there's a limited scope in the song. Because what we're saying, we're imagining heaven... And we're thinking more in terms of just the place than the person. We tend to spend a lot of time projecting about the blessings of the place. And sometimes we can neglect the presence of Jesus. One of the hard questions to ask yourself Sometimes when we think about eternity and all that, if you don't want to spend time with Jesus now, why would you want to spend eternity with him? The converse is, oh my goodness, if the time that we have now is just a foretaste of what is to come. 
So Jesus presents this, and then Thomas is going to give him some pushback. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thomas is always so literal. (laughs) Give me the roadmap, Jesus. I want to see it. I want to see it. We didn't have Google Maps back then, but I want to see it. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's take a look at this promise. So many times when we hear John 14, 6, we we think of the exclusive claims of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to affirm that exclusivity. And at the same time, to challenge us to say, let us not just rip that verse out of context. That claim is true. But Jesus is getting at something, I think, even more beautiful in the promise. That the way, the truth, and the life is found in him. It's found in him. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't just give us a doctrine that we can intellectually assent to and say, yes, I'm going to check the box, this is true. He gave us truth that we can affirm and we can investigate But he has given us so much more than that. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So yes, there is a way. There is a path to follow. There are a set of commands to follow. There are things to believe, absolutely. But there is also a life that he has given to us now. One of the things we'll be pursuing over the next six weeks is how to really understand that. And part of what's hard for our little minds, at least my little mind to grasp, is we live in this what's called the already and the not yet. Jesus has already died. Jesus has already risen. Where is Jesus now? He sits at the right hand of the Father. Don't get too literal on that. There's something beyond time and space that we cannot grasp that does not deny the reality of that. But we live in the not yet. We still get sick. We still suffer. We still get frustrated. We still get tired. We still experience pain. There is a not yet that is to come that will be more glorious than we can even imagine. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip wants more evidence. Hey, I need more. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? 
Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Philip, you want more evidence? Okay. Am I not enough? Is Jesus not enough? Is his presence not enough? Well, Jesus is able to identify a problem. He can can see it. He knows what we're in. He knows the mess we're in. He meets us in our mess. God is with you where you are today, wherever that is. But he also gives us a path forward. He also gives us a path forward. God will not let you stay where you are. He meets you where you are, but he will not let you stay where you are. He loves you too much. He loves you too much. So let's talk about a path forward. Jesus says this in verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Those verses deserve a message in and of themselves, and we'll talk about that. Because that's a little bit different than rubbing the genie bottle and saying in Jesus' name three times, and presto, everything's going to happen. But there are some promises here that Jesus has for us. Don't you believe that I am who I say I am? Now, how do we move forward? Well, we trust Jesus, believe, trust. That's more than just an intellectual assent. It's a trust. It's a leaning into that says, I am going to build my life on this. This is a foundation. And we obey. I think there was a song about trusting and obeying. Obey Jesus. Let's continue verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit, that's a capital S, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, 
and I too will love them and show myself to them. So how do we move forward? We trust, we believe, and we obey. We simply do the next right thing. We do the next right thing. And when we do the next right thing, as Dallas Willard said, you're going to need some help when you do that. (laughs) You're going to need to pray. You're going to need to be in the Word. But even more important than that, we have to realize that we have the Helper, we have the Holy Spirit who is with us and in us. I want you to let that sit on you for a moment, that the Holy Spirit who was present in creation. Holy Spirit, page one of the Bible, hovering over the creation. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, the Spirit of God indwells you. The Spirit is in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Oh, how things would change if we actually believed that that was true. That the very Spirit of God is with you and in you. So we trust, we obey, and then I'm going to give you a curveball on the third one. We sing to Jesus. We sing to Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. I'll tell you about my life just very quickly. When I think about way, truth, and life, I've gone through three phases, and I believe that's common to a lot of us. When I think of Jesus saying, I am the way, Jesus says, I, there are commands to follow. I remember growing up, and it wasn't the fault of anybody's teaching. It's just the way I process things. But for for me, following Jesus was more about the don'ts than the do's. If I'm a follower of Jesus, it means I don't do X, Y, and Z. And then the battle is, how can I make those boundaries a little smaller so I can come up to that line? whatever that may be. But there's a phase of simply just focusing on the rules. And then for me, there was a phase of diving deep into the truth of the claims of Jesus. Is this stuff really true? Can I trust it? Can I go back? Can I do the research? Can I see if this stuff really holds up to intellectual scrutiny? All right, I did a lot of school and did a lot of investigating. So there's a way, there's a behavior, there's an investigation of the truth. And for lots of years, I believe those two were the main things. And those are really, really important. But I am beginning to see more and more the power of life with God. That when we actually have the Holy Spirit in us and we can think with God, we can understand that regardless of what I am going through, 
God is with me? That he actually can guide my thoughts every day in every circumstance? So there's a way, there's a behavior that matters. There's a truth that, of course, these things matter. But I believe sometimes that gap is in the life. It's in your everyday experience with God. Now, what do I mean by sing with Jesus? This past uh, Thursday, uh, I got to brag on Pastor Matt here for just a second. You got a great staff, just know that. We got people who love Jesus and have different expressions, different ways of living out their faith in different life stages. And uh, Matt was sharing this. He was, you know, we go through a psalm each week, and, and he was leading us through a particular song and psalm, and then we'll sing songs related to it. And he was talking about the great uh, Fernando Ortega song, Give Me Jesus. Very simple. And there are three, I don't know all my musical terms, but there are like three, three uh, parts to it. There's in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. There's when I am alone, give me Jesus. There's a when I come to die, give me Jesus. And we sang that song and it's, it's great. He was talking about how he sings that song with his six and nine-year-old daughters and how they will sing that song. And I was reflecting on that practice in the morning when I rise, when I am alone, when I come to die. To know that those girls, and they're six and nine, and my guess is uh, they will go through some hard things in the years to come. But to know that they have that song embedded in their heads and in their hearts. So when trouble comes, when hard things come, when kids are mean on the playground, when that comes, when you don't make the team, when you don't get the part, whatever those things are, when those things come, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. So this morning, as you reflect on those promises, as you reflect on the beautiful statement that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you have that song in your heart that you're singing all the time? You may be like me and you, you can't sing a lick. I got cut from the fourth grade choir, so it's not always a literal singing. But there is a, something that comes from your heart that says, give me Jesus. I hope that you do. I hope that you do. As over the next six weeks, we continue to let these promises work in our heads and work in our hearts and then extend out so people can see it. Because if all we're about is following rules and proclaiming correct doctrine, but we don't have the life that is truly life, we don't have joy, we don't have peace, it's really hard for other people to see the true hope that we have. I want to invite you to pray with me. I want you to close your eyes.
And I very simply want to ask you a question. And I would simply invite you to to raise your hand if this is true. If you're in the middle of a mess right now and you want more of Jesus, whatever that mess is, just raise your hand. (laughs) You're in a mess right now and you want more of Jesus, just keep that hand up. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we acknowledge that in this world we'll have trouble, that things are messy and they're hard. And right now we want more of you. We thank you that you have gone before us, that you've experienced what we've experienced, and you've given us your spirit to guide us. So right now I pray on behalf of all the messes that are in this room, I see lots of hands. Would you work in hearts and minds? Would you work in a way that gives encouragement, that reminds us that your promises are true? And the place that you have for us is, it is eternal, and it is right now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.